There was a time when Jesus was standing before a crowd and a man said, teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. But Jesus said, who made me a judge over you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this story. The farm of a rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? My barns are too small. I have no place to store my crops. And it was such a good take that he couldn't fit all the food into his barns. It was bursting at the seams. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and then I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You've plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, this very night your life will be taken from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything that you need. These words from Jesus set the stage for our final week of our teaching series here at Fork called Joyride, where we've taken a journey through the book of Philippians. And for the last four weeks, we've walked through this letter, which focuses on this joy-filled life journey that each of us can experience when we devote our lives to following after Jesus Christ. We are on our fifth week of this series, and for those of you who are listening closely last week, you will have heard me say that we are on week three I'll tell you, these five weeks, months really can throw a fella off. So, um, yeah, my mistake. And just for the record, my misspeak is recorded. It's on the website. It gives full support to the fact that we are just a bunch of imperfect people chasing after a perfect God, right? So speaking of fifth Sunday, today is our Family Engaged Sunday where we are joined by our elementary age students. If you are in elementary school, raise your hand up high. We want to see you guys. A lot of you are, yeah, good job, right? Give them a hand. Many of them are usually across the street joining in our children's ministry. Guys, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. You are special to us. 
You're special to Jesus. You have an important place in his church. You have an important place in his kingdom. And as a matter of fact, I want to take this moment right now to invite Bella, one of our fourth graders, to come up on stage with me this morning. And she is going to read our key verse from this teaching series. Philippians 4, 4 through 5. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Thank you, Bella. Paul reminds us that for the Christ follower, that choosing to live a life of joy is a decision that we make regardless of our, regardless of our situation. That it is for the believer, a life of joy is the expectation. It's who God's called us to be and it's who God wants to empower each of us to be. Because when we follow the resurrected Christ, our life should be described as a joy ride. Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll be in our study today. And if you're, if you're familiar with Philippians chapter 4, then you're probably already aware of the great many truths that are found in this chapter. But even if you're not, like, I'm not sure what's in Philippians chapter 4, I think you'll be surprised at the number of often quoted verses that come from this chapter of the book. And maybe these are familiar to you. Now, I'm going to read from the New International Version for a moment because that's what's most familiar to me. It's what I grew up with. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're familiar with Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Or Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And of course, the verse that Bella just read, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. These are amazing truths. These are amazing promises. These are powerful words written by the Apostle Paul to a church, to the church at Philippi, a church that he loved dearly. And these words were especially meaningful because as Paul wrote about joy, he was incarcerated or under arrest for his faith. And though Paul had no certainties about what his future would hold, though he had faced many, many hard times leading up to this moment, Paul understood where to find joy in his ride of life. These past few weeks, we've talked about finding joy in the journey, finding joy in humility, finding joy in knowing Jesus, finding joy in purpose. This morning, we're going to talk about finding joy in contentment. Joy and contentment. I wonder this morning, are you content? Contentment by definition means to be free from care, satisfied with what you have. The idea of contentment is more of a state of mind than about a possession of any particular situation or object. So I ask you again, are you content? Are you satisfied with what you have? Are you free from care? You know, when we think about contentment, we often think immediately about those things that are material. You know, those things that we possess or we own. 
But see, contentment does not mean that we will always have all the stuff that we want. Right? It, contentment doesn't come when we've acquired so much of something that we just don't feel like we need any more. Think about it. Do we ever really have all that we want? I often say a man can never own too many utility knives, hammers, or tape measures, right? Anybody agree with me on that one? Yeah, I see a bunch of hands out there. There's other things I could have listed, guys, but, you know. Uh, contentment doesn't mean that we never desire or wish for or even work for bigger, better, nicer things. Kids, if you get an allowance, have you ever once told your mom and dad, stop giving me so much allowance? Or if they buy you toys, have you ever said, stop giving me so many toys? I have too much money and I have too many toys and I don't know what to do with them all. No. I mean, what kid wouldn't want more toys? What kid wouldn't want bigger allowance? Moms, dads, have you ever gone to your boss and told him or her and say, stop paying me so much money? The raises are coming far too frequently and they're much, much, much too much of an increase. None of y'all ever said that. I didn't think so. <laughs> I mean, what worker wouldn't want a bigger paycheck? You see, no matter what age we are, when we think about our stuff, who wouldn't like newer and bigger and better and fancier and shinier, right? Houses, cars, skateboards, bicycles, ball gloves, video game systems. You know it. Back in St. Louis, where my wife and I came from six years ago, there was a, a furniture store. They always had these really, really cheesy commercials. And at the end of every commercial, Brooke Dubman, one of the co-owners, would get on there and he would try to convince you to buy his furniture by saying, because you like nice things, right? That was his line, right? You like nice things. And it's true. I mean, who wouldn't want a bunch of free furniture? Or if we had his furniture, who would complain, right? Because who doesn't like nice things? Have you seen my truck? See, when I'm not riding my motorcycle, I drive this 2000 Ford Ranger XLT. It's old and it's gray and the clear coat's all peeling off. And my wife hates to drive it. Well, not only is it hard for her to get in and out of because she's relatively short, but she just thinks it's horribly ugly. She's embarrassed to be seen driving it. I mean, it's not the prettiest truck you'll ever see. Thanks, Nick. But if somebody came to me with a set of keys and a clear title with a newer, nicer truck and said, here, Virgil, it's yours, would I say no? I mean, I'm content with that one, but of course not. I mean, I look around the church parking lot and I'm thinking, who doesn't like a nice truck, right? There's lots of them out there. See, though, when it comes to finding joy and contentment, whether it's our allowance or our income or our trucks or our stuff, our joy is not dependent on what others have or on what we wish we had. It's by learning to be content with what we do have. Are you content this morning? Are you free from care? Are you satisfied with what you have? 
oftentimes we think of contentment, we think first those material things, right? But also I think when we think about contentment, it's not always about our possessions. Sometimes contentment comes with how we feel about where we are in our own physical condition, our own physical health, right? Contentment doesn't mean that we're always going to have the health that we want or feel as young as we want or live as long as we want, right? We all know that we're not going to live on earth for forever, but we like to think we will. We like to think that these bodies won't wear out, but they do. We hope that with some routine maintenance and some wisdom from our doctors <clears throat> that we will avoid major medical pitfalls. And now I'm guessing that some of you have been relatively healthy throughout your life. No hospitalizations, no major illnesses. Just out of curiosity, has anybody in the room ever made it this far without ever breaking a bone ever? Who has never? Look at you guys. No broken bones. Y'all need to work harder. Do something. Have more fun or something, right? Never had surgery? Ever? Okay, that was, that was not so rich, right? See, some though it wasn't that easy. I think about my own kids. I got three sons. They're all grown. Um, two of my sons made it into adulthood without ever having to wear glasses or ever having to get braces. But then there was the one. He had to have braces and he had to wear glasses and he had heart problems. His senior year in high school, he developed a spinal tumor. Later, he developed epilepsy. Now, do you think that he would have complained if he had reached adulthood in good health, in perfect health? Of course not. Who doesn't want to be healthy? What about the rest of us? Think about that time that you wrecked your bike or you got hit by that pitch and the x-ray showed that the arm indeed was broken. When we took the COVID test and it came back positive, or the biopsy showed it was indeed cancer. Maybe we go to the doctor, we get bad news. The cholesterol is high, the blood pressure is high, the weight is high, the arteries are clogged, right? Would we have complained if we had gotten a better diagnosis? Of course not. I mean, what person doesn't want good news from their doctor? Now, I've been talking to some of the guys that play softball on the Fork team that plays on Monday nights over at Beachmont. You're welcome to go watch them. But hey, listen, I've been talking to some of those guys and no, ju no judgment here. But to hear of your aches and pains and your strains and pulls, I know you guys are wishing that you were in a physical body that had 5, 10, or 20 years less uh, wear and tear on it. I mean, would any of us really complain if we were at optimal health? Of course not. What person wouldn't want to be the picture of healthy? But when it comes to finding joy and contentment, whether it's the imperfections that we were born with or part of our family history or it's illness or injury that, or it's just the natural aging of our bodies, our joy is not dependent on what others have or on what we wish we had, but is learning to be content with the health that we do have. I ask the question again, are you content? Are you free from care? Are you satisfied with what you have? See, when we think of contentment, we might think of things that are material. We might think of things that have to do with our health. But sometimes contentment simply has to do with the everyday cares and concerns of life. Jesus told us we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat or drink or what we're going to wear he says we can't add a day, a single day to our life by, by worrying about it. I often tell people, don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow worry. Don't borrow anxiety. 
You see, when we worry about something we have no control of, something that we can't determine the outcome, something that we don't own and can't own, and then we claim it as if we could own it, it creates problems. You see, if it never, ever comes to pass, then we've wasted time and emotion and brain space. And if it does come to happen, well, there's nothing that worrying could have done to stop it anyway. I wonder what you came in this morning worrying about. Kids, you worry about your parents. Maybe you worry about your grades. You worry about your safety. You worry about whether people like you or not, whether you're smart enough or strong enough or pretty enough, whether you make the team, whether you get the part in the play. Parents, what are you worried about this morning? Maybe you're worried about your kids. Are they achieving? Are they following Jesus? Are they marrying the right guy? You worry about gas prices and the economy. You worry about aging. You worry about having to rely on somebody else. Friends, when it comes to finding joy and contentment, whether it's about our families or about our friends or about ourselves, whether it's about the economy or whether it's about society, our joy is not dependent on what others have or on what we wish we had, but by learning to be content with the life that we do have. Paul, in the book of Philippians, he's been teaching us about choosing joy in all areas of our life. And he's reminding us that joy is not based on our circumstance or our situation or our material possessions or our health or our worries and our cares about life. In chapter 4, right in the middle of a conversation with the Philippian Christians about their decision to be generous in their support and partnership with him, Paul gives us a glimpse into the joy that he finds in his contentment. Let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. This will be from the New Living Translation. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul has been talking about joy through this entire book, and just like our choice to have, just like it is a choice for us to choose joy, being content is also a choice that you and I get to make. See, no matter where we are in life, it's easy to want different. It's easy to want more. I mean, it's natural. It's normal. It's our nature. But lack of contentment can be a downfall. It can lead us into being jealous of what other people have. It can cause us to envy. It can cause us to covet. It can cause us to hurt others. It can cause us to steal. A lack of contentment can lead to bitterness. It can lead to self-pity. It can lead to anger at God and anger at his people. And it can separate us from our families. And a lack of contentment can cause us to actually lose our friends. See, it's not necessarily wrong to want different things or different situations or different outcomes. It's not necessarily wrong to want good health or nice things or a smooth life. But real joy only comes when, like the Apostle Paul, we learn to be content in all things. Paul says, I've learned to be content no matter 
what? So I ask you once again, are you content? Are you free from care? Are you satisfied with what you have? See, Paul says, I can live on a little of nothing, or I can live with everything. I can live when my stomach is growling or when it is full like on a Thanksgiving afternoon. Are you content this morning? Are you free from care? Are you satisfied with what you have? Paul, in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, says that we can find joy and contentment by doing these four things. He says we can do everything through Christ. And then we need to pray about everything. We need to fix our thoughts on good things, and we need to put it into practice. Do everything, Paul says, through Christ. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see, it's not by our own strength. It's not by our own will. It's not by our own good works. It's not by our own wisdom. It's not by our own knowledge. Paul said that he has learned that the secret to being content wasn't his strict religious training. It wasn't his circumstance, right? He's in jail. It wasn't his stuff. Paul realized it was through relationship with the resurrected Jesus Christ is where he got his strength. Next, Paul says, we are to pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Friends, all of our lives are in his hands. And if we can trust him with our salvation, certainly we can learn to trust him with our stuff. Certainly we can trust him with our situation. I mean, think about it. Remember the ravens and the lilies? We read about them earlier, how he cares for them. He loves us more than he loves them. And if we tell him what, he need, what we need, won't he make sure that we have what we need? We may not have all we want, but we'll have all that we need. And if you and I are truly thankful for what he has done and what he has given us, then you and I can learn to be content in it and with it. You see, worry about stuff that we have no control of will rob us of our joy. It will strip away our peace. But when we pray, Paul says we can have peace. We can be content. We can be free from care. We can be satisfied with what we have. Paul also says we need to fix our thoughts on good things. We need to change our focus. Philippians 4, 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What do negative thoughts lead to? They lead to negative actions and negative attitudes and they lead to a lack of peace. They lead to a lack of satisfaction. They lead to a lack of joy. And they will lead to a lack of contentment. Philippians 4.9, Paul says, put it into practice. Put it into practice. He says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, I've learned to be content, so follow me. Do like me. Live like me. 
Now, was Paul 100% content 100% of the time? I doubt it. I doubt it. He'd be the first to admit that he's not perfect. But just because we know how to do something, right, doesn't mean we're always going to do it or even choose to do it. But Paul is not giving himself or any of the rest of us any room for excuses. He isn't allowing us to say, well, gee, it's just too hard most of the time, or it's not natural, or wow, contentment just isn't fun. Paul says, be content in all things, all situations. The bottom line of all of this is this, be content. Do everything through Christ. Pray about everything. Fix your thoughts on good things and put it into practice. Because if we want to find joy in this ride of life, we've got to learn to be content with whatever we have. And we will indeed experience joy on our journey. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the example of the Apostle Paul, for the way that he demonstrated uh, contentment to us. Uh, his story is amazing. He had all those good things going for him, but we read about the different things that he endured, being whipped, being beaten, being having big rocks thrown at him, being shipwrecked, being in jail for his faith. Yet Paul still experienced joy. Whether he was full of abundance or running on empty, whether his belly was full or whether his belly was hungry, he learned how to be content. So for us, whether it's our material possessions, those things that we can grasp and hold, whether it's our health, which we have less control over, whether it's the situ situation, circumstance, the ordinary everyday things of life, those things that bother us, weigh us down and worry us, help us to cast those on you, that we would find peace, that we would find joy that we would find contentment by trusting in you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.